So this morning, um, I'm just going to talk about a friend's influence. Um, and we're going to take the story here. It's quite um, a hard-hitting story, but it's from 2 Samuel chapter 13. All right. Um, so the basic idea is that, you know, um, this, this message was originally for, from the teen, for the teens <laughs> uh, back earlier this year, but Pastor texted me yesterday, so I had to like whip up something really fast, you know. So I had to get something out of the freezer, you know, and defrost it. Um, so um, this was a message, and it's about just the influence of friend, friends can have on our lives. And um, they could bring out, as you can read there, the best and the worst in us. So, um, you know, they say just choose your friends carefully. Sometimes we don't really think about that. You know, people say choose your friends carefully, choose your friends carefully, because you already have your friends, or la la la, or they just came about, they're in my class, or they're at my workplace. But, um, you know, a friend is different to an acquaintance, association, you know, associate, whatever the word is. And um, you know, I think we can learn something from this and uh, take something away. There's a lot of other lessons in here anyway, even if um, you already have your friend stuff sorted out already. <laughs> so I'm just going to, um, I'll just read uh, one or two just to get the, um, the gist of it, the first two verses, and I'm just going to pray. And we'll get into, we'll just go verse, verse by verse basically through this. So um, 2 Samuel chapter 13, I'll start in verse 1. And it came to pass after this that Absalom... The son of David had a fair sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister, Tamar, for she was a virgin, and Amnon, Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. So I'm just going to pray. Father, thank you, Lord, that we just get to open up your word this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would um, speak to every heart, and um, I pray, Lord, that you would um, just be with us as we're in your word, give us understanding through your spirit. And I pray, Lord, that you would minister um, unto the people, Lord. We just want to hear from you. And, um, and we're here, Lord, um, just to lift your name up high and uh, just to draw closer to, to you this morning, Lord. I pray you bless the kids in Children's Church, Lord. And again, Lord, just pray for those. Um, pray for Pastor, Lord, who's unwell. And maybe any others, Lord, like Mona and things like that I haven't heard yet. But I pray that you would just be with them and um, just love them and keep them. And um, just remind us, Lord, in our hearts, Lord, to pray for them as well as we're going about the rest of our day, our week, Lord. We love you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Amen. So, <clears throat> I'll read a little bit more. We'll continue the story. But basically, um, King David has, he's got more than two sons, but there's two sons in this story, Absalom, I believe he's the firstborn, and then Amnon. And um, they are half-brothers, though, because they have different mummies, so they're like half-brothers. And Absalom... Is actually, uh, Tamar is Absalom's full brother or whatever, but only a half-sister to Tamar. And this is the struggle that Amnon has. He has a struggle in his heart. And um, he gets to the point, basically, you'll see in a minute, where he's so stressed that he, he can't eat. He's just got this burden on him. I don't know if you've ever felt like that when you're dealing with some sort of stress. Um, you can't eat, you're, you're stressed, maybe you're not sleeping very well. And um, it was basically affecting him physically. Um, and and this, is, this is where... Um, he just needs help or he's struggling and the person he ends up talking to is a friend, okay? And we'll find out about that friend in a minute. But um, let's read verse 3 to 5 here. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. So they're cousins. And Jonadab was a very subtle man. And he said unto him, Why art thou, being the king's son, lean from day to day? Would thou not tell me? And Amnon said unto him, I love Tamar, my brother... Absalom's sister. And Jonadab said unto him, Lay thee down on thy bed, and make thyself sick. And when thy father cometh to see thee, 
Say unto him, I pray thee, let my sister Tamar come and give me meat and dress the meat in my sight that I may see it and eat it at her hand. All right, so reverse back a bit. Remember the fact that I'm talking about friends. So friends, everybody, I hope you guys all have friends. <laughs> all right, and um, you know, think back to your childhood or whatever, friends are great, you know. I remember waiting, uh, waiting to, at home when one of the kids was older than me and I finished school uh, sooner than he did and I'd just be waiting, waiting for this guy Shane to come home and um, so he, he's my next door neighbor and when he come up I'd be like waiting looking down and when he, he came running up the road I was like oh yes Shane come on let's go play soccer and stuff like that you know and that, that whole camaraderie and that, that, um, that uh, you share with friends you have a great time together and you also you know like we're kind of seeing in the story here friends are obviously someone to lean on you know that whole phrase a problem shared is a problem halved. <laughs> um, and um, then there's another level. There's something called a best friend. <laughs> and um, th when you're really, 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 really good friends, you know, you have this kind of, um, uh, maybe you finish each other's sentences <laughs> or things like that. Yeah, they just understand you and you don't have to kind of, you know, with some people, um, you kind of just put up a front and you're like, um, you know, you know, when you're asking people, how are you? And, you know, the automatic thing is, I'm fine. Everything's good. You know, you just like, you know, give them a rote answer kind of kind of thing. But with your friends, then you can be real, you know, and um, they understand you. They might get your humor, which other people don't get. <laughs> and um, they know you warts and all, yet they're still, they still want to be around you. And that's, that's, that's something that's really, really good. A lot of people have similar interests and things like that. And um, what, what's the opposite of, uh, I'm kind of like a class here now, but what's the opposite of friends? Opposite of friendship, I suppose. Enemy, is it? Yeah, pretty much enemy. But like a lot of times, like if you think about a teenager now, they they want they want to, to be with people who are like them. They want friends or whatever. They don't want to be. What would they say? Alone or a loner. Remember that phrase or whatever? Did you ever get called a loner when you were in school <laughs> or anywhere else? Um, I think that's that's the kind of thing that, that friendships serve or whatever. And, and that's why it's so special to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you know, when, when no one else seems to understand you or this kind of stuff, you know, we know that, that Jesus does. And you're never alone, like, you know, like the Liverpool phrase, you'll never walk alone. <laughs> um, that, that's a fear maybe that we do have. Um, I think that scientifically there's a fear here of being alone, it's called autophobia. Does anyone have that, a fear of being alone? <laughs> A lot of people, a lot of people say they like to be alone nowadays. But what they mean is they just want nobody to serve them while they're on their phone on Facebook or uh, this kind of thing. But they're still, you know, connected, right? So they're not really that alone. Um, but uh, loneliness is something that nobody wants, obviously. And when I was a kid, my parents used it against me as discipline. Have you ever experienced that? We call it grounding. And I wasn't allowed out with my friends. I remember being grounded for a whole week. That was uh, must have done something really bad, Dad. Did I? Uh, I didn't like grounding or whatever. I just kicking the ball against the wall at my backyard and on my own. It's like, oh, I'm sick of this. Can I go? No. <laughs> um, so they use loneliness for discipline. They use it in the military. What do they call that one? Solitary confinement. Have you ever heard of that one? Ouch. That literally can drive someone mad. Um, so I'm just trying to say all this, you know, um, to make a point that, you know, Amnon's in a really bad place. He's struggling with the, the thoughts in his heart. And he, he really needs some help, okay? And so you try and put, himself, put yourself in his shoes in that sense, okay? And just who he ends up um, 
turning to is Jonadab. And um, because maybe, maybe he doesn't feel like he can go to his parents about it. I don't know how old he is now at this stage. Um, would he go to his dad and talk to him about it or things like that? And it, it's a pity that he can't or felt like he, he couldn't, okay? Um, you know, a lot of us, we expect the worst. I remember when, you know, something was wrong in my family, you know, in my life, let's say. And then, you know, when you, you, you feel like maybe you should talk to your parents about something or someone who cares, you know, that kind of idea. But you, your mind gets really worried and you start imagining all these, like, permutations of what's going to happen. And you say, oh, it's going to be really bad. They're going to start shouting at me or, you know, they're going to not understand it. You know, we tell ourselves all these things. Um, you know, but uh, have you ever heard the statistic? They say that 80% of the things that we worry about never come to pass. All right. So, um, you know, Amnon's, maybe he's facing that kind of thing. And the, the Bible says the fear of man bringeth a snare. Okay, so if we're afraid of all these things that are going to come, um, it is true when they say, you know, your teacher say or whoever says honesty is the best policy. And, um, you know, it's a, all I say is it's a pity that he couldn't um, reach out to the right people. And who, how is he to know that Jonadab is subtle? Because he's subtle, right? So he's not going to know. But anyway, I'll give a side point just as far as parenting and stuff like that. It's also a pity that King David didn't see that Amnon was in a bad situation. If he's lean from day to day, he's not eating properly, and this kind of stuff that Jonadab sees, because Jonadab's obviously with him, it's just a pity that his dad didn't notice. Okay? So as a parent, you know, we are responsible. We're responsible for our children. And you know, the Bible says, you know, you're not just supposed to provide for your own household. When it says that in 1 Timothy 5, to provide for your own household isn't just a bank account that's enough to pay for the school books and to pay for those Nike shoes that you don't want to spend 120 euro on. All right? It's not just to provide them stuff. It's to provide for their welfare. Okay? You know, in Deuteronomy, um, turn there, turn to Deuteronomy, chapter 11. Now, I'm not blaming David, but I'm just saying it's a pity that he didn't notice. I'm sure he had enough to do as he was king. Tishuk. So I'm in Deuteronomy 11. I know you guys are looking for a scripture. I should have wrote more up here, but, um, but I didn't. <laughs> Deuteronomy 11:19. So it's kind of recapping some of the principles that God spoke. Deuteronomy means like a second giving of the law. And it says, he's talking about... You can hear Deuteronomy 11:19, And ye shall teach them your children. These are the words of the Lord, the commandments, the truth of the word of God. Ye shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house and upon thy gates. Okay, so you're responsible emotionally too. To, you know, for the emotional welfare of your kids and for the spiritual welfare of your kids. And that's what makes them, um, you know, a dad or whatever, like, um, like the, a prophet in, in, in the home in that sort of sense. That you're, um, if, you, if your kids aren't reading the Bible, why don't you just read the Bible with them? And I understand it's really hard, okay? Um, it's hard to find the time to do these things and you're working all day and you come home and you don't really feel like doing any of that kind of stuff. But um, if, you, if you can schedule it, you know, when it's something scheduled, gets done, um, it'll be such a benefit. And especially, um, you know, the younger they are, obviously the more pliable they are, like a young tree, you could bend it left and right. But as they get older, it gets a little more difficult. But it's not impossible. <laughs> okay, so just to encourage you guys there, 
Um, I know we're just all, not only just talking about friends, but there's a responsibility there to parents just to look after. And even if you're not a parent, just to be someone like a mentor or a counselor, okay? Someone that if an Amnon came up and felt like he couldn't talk to his parents, that there would be good advice and truthful and wise advice to be given from the Word of God, obviously, or from the principles of the Word of God, to someone like that to help them so that they don't end up in the situation we're going to read that Amnon did, okay? But unfortunately for Amnon, he shares his heart with Jonadab, okay? And um, I don't know, did we read there already, or I'm back in, um, I should have said, keep a finger in Second Samuel 13. Um, the description here, oh yeah, in verse 3, um, the very last few words there says, Jonah, Jonadab was a subtle man, okay? So what does subtle mean? Okay, we've got other words in the Bible, um, cunning, or we might use different words um, today, like um, sly, like a sly fox, or crafty, crafty, I don't know, there might be some other words I don't know about if we call people that, um, that are like that, okay? But what, what is subtle? Basically, um, the person is, has a, a talent, or they're very good at, or an aptitude for persuading someone else by deceit, okay? Whether it's to their own ends, or you know, whatever. Um, I think that Jonadab, because he's um, a cousin or whatever, might have, you know, no, this is solely speculation now, but he might have had a bit of jealousy or something like that, you know, I don't know why the reason, um, but a lot of time when you're trying to deceive someone, um, you know, it, the destruction of Amnon and Absalom and maybe some of the rest of them might mean that he would eventually be the heir, you know, or something like that to the throne. I don't know, but um, for some reason anyway, he chose to, maybe he thought he was helping him out and he's just young and reckless just like the rest of us were when we were that age all right um i don't know but unfortunately he was subtle and therefore amnon got a subtle answer so he says to him just to to lay down in thy bed and make thyself sick i was just talking to Niall about that when i <laughs> when i was a kid and you know i woke up in the morning and i decided i don't want to go to school Have you ever felt that tyron that you didn't want to go to school when you woke up in the morning yeah pillow sounded like a better deal right all right, so I'm in primary school at this stage now, right? Um, and w w anytime I told my parents I was sick, they used to put their hand on my forehead and go, oh, do you have a temperature, you know? So I spent ages trying to heat up my forehead or whatever. And then I ran downstairs, I was like, I'm sick, you know? And they're like, oh, oh yeah, go back up to bed. I'm like, yes, yes, you know? Then I went back up, subtle. Was that, am I subtle too, don't I? <laughs> um, so basically, I'm not art. Jonadab has come up with this plan, this plan to deceive, this plan to, to, to manipulate the world to your own ends, okay? And um, he says, you can pretend that you're sick, and when your father comes, then say, oh, um, you know, I, I need something. Um, you know, like, well, we, we used to have flat 7-Up and <laughs> dry toast and things like that. So, will Tamar, could she give me the, the flat 7-Up and the dry toast or whatever? And uh, King David will go, okay, yeah. Um, that's what you want, and he'll call Tamar in, and then, you know, the rest is up to yourself, right? So he came up with a plan, and uh, the word subtle, you know, the Bible has the law of first mentions. Have you heard the word subtle before in your Bible, if you've read it? Anyone know where it is? Genesis, right? So the serpent was subtle. Unfortunately, subtle is a really horrible word. I hope that, um, you know, the Lord will uh, 
bring upon us the fruits of the spirit if, instead of the lust of the flesh if you find subtlety within your own heart. So um, the reason why friends are influential is because like he's sharing his heart with him and now he's looking for advice or from help from him. And um, Amnon is, right? And um, he's going to basically, he, he, when you reach out like that, you're going, to, you're, going, you're going to act on that advice that you get. And you want, you want good advice, basically. And Jonadab doesn't do that, okay? So I have a quote here um, with Benjamin Franklin about, I don't know, he's, he's not the best fella in the world, but um, he was wise enough to say this, be slow in choosing a friend, slower in changing. Okay? So, um, you know, when, when you're close to someone, you're like them a lot too. You become like them. You change. Okay? And um, um, I have more stories or whatever. So if Jonadab is subtle and crafty, he's going to rub off on the others and, and on Amnon or whatever, and he's going to cause Amnon to do things or to learn to be subtle and crafty. All right? So you just want to be careful when you see those kind of things in another person. Like turn to Proverbs 22. Kind of a bit all over the place here, but forgive me. And do hold a place in Second Samuel. We'll be back. Proverbs 22. Look, you're never going to find a perfect person, but you do need to realize that you know when you do see something that's not as admirable, that um, you're on the guard for that kind of thing. Okay. And and you could also reverse it. I'm obviously that's part of the application. But if we need friends so good friends so dearly or whatever, how about being a good friend yourself? Okay. Um, so Proverbs 22, verse 24, it says here, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go. Why? Lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. <laughs> I was just reading a book there, and the guy was saying that um, he went to a match, and there was no more tickets for his team. Right? I don't know, is it a Bayern Munich match or whatever? Right, Kevin? But... Um, he had to get tickets for the other side. Yeah? So he sat down by the goal, and um, he can't cheer when he wants to cheer because everyone else will look at him and look frown at him or whatever. And um, he doesn't want to cheer when everyone else is cheering and that kind of thing, okay? But um, in the end, he's watching the match, and um, the, the other team are actually doing really well. And um, he's, he kind of has a thought in his heart. He's like, well, actually, that wasn't a bad tackle, you know. Fair, fair deuce to them, you know? And... Um, by the end of the match, they actually win, and they score the last goal or whatever, you know, and he finds himself cheering anyway, because he's like, I'm glad for them, even though I'm with the other team, I'm happy for them, they, they were the better team on the day, right? And so he's finding himself changed by the peer pressure or the influence that's around him, and that's kind of like with friendship as well. We always think that we're our own person, and that nobody else influences us. We're, we're unique, and we've got free will, and we're going to make our own decisions. Well, you know... Ever heard of being in the wrong place at the wrong time or this kind of stuff? All right. Um, so it's just something to be weary about. Um, it's not that. I'll, I'll get into that later, so that's fine. Um, or even in my own life or whatever, and I'm telling too many stories about my parents around. Um, uh, well, I was in first year, and um, my first friend I met on the first day, or when, well, the first two, I met this guy named Gordon from Crosshaven. Nice fella, way taller than me. Um, at the time, I was there. <laughs> All right. Um, and uh, I met Gordon, and then there was this other guy, Jono. Jono, we called him. His dad was um, the rector of the, the Church of Ireland there in Cargillang. And um, we hung out all the time. He brought me, it was the first time I went to Camden Fort. Um, he was the one who brought me in or whatever. He had made this 
the little two-pronged chain and he threw it up or whatever. I had to climb up the wall and this thing. thought I was going to die. All right. So <laughs> we, we were friends and we hung out all the time after school, before school, in school. We skipped classes. We did whatever. That was what we did. Um, but unfortunately, one thing that they, I was around for was at lunch break and we were in what we call Barry Collins, but that's just super value in Cargline, um, but we just call it Barry Collins. And um, uh, Gordon proceeds to take a whole box of chewing gum and he stuck it in his bag, you know? And I was like, what? what are you doing, you know? And then, I don't know, was this the same day or another day? He was like, oh, I feel like some Coke, you know? And he dropped the Coke on the ground and he kicked it out the door and he was just like, he walked out the door and picked up his Coke and he went away and I was like, they're not, you know, they're going to run after you or, you know, that kind of stuff. It was shocking to me. Um, but in the end, then, I found myself doing similar things, unfortunately, okay? And that was a time when I was just influenced in, in a bad way. And, um, you know, the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. So um, later on in life, I got in a big, big bit of trouble in that sort of sense, or I got a big scare, which was good for me. Um, but I learned something not so wholesome from my friends, okay? Um, and it's better, obviously, to teach someone a positive quality, okay? So, um, but I, I just, you know, you just don't know. You have your guard down when you're with your friends, okay? Um, but you know, the Bible says that Jesus is a friend of sinners and publicans. Well, why is it that he, he didn't get affected by them, okay? Well, obviously, he had a relationship with someone higher. He said, I always do those things which please the Father, okay? And in that sense, you know, when we have those right relationships, that, that'll be something that will keep us... You know, a lot of the time, when I was a teenager, some people would say to us, I can't do that, my mom would kill me. All right? That's a really good thing to say. I hope you've said that, Brian. <laughs> All right? And that's a restraining effect. And the Spirit also, um, you know, in, in Thessalonians, when it's talking about the end times, it says, um, um, it talks about he that, um, who let it will let until he's taken out of the way. He that allows will... will um, um, will allow only so much. So the Holy Spirit is a restraining force on the world. And um, you know, some of the end times teaching says that the Holy Spirit will withdraw in a way and that witness won't be there and people's wicked hearts will have no restraint, kind of just like Genesis 6. You know, like Jesus does say, as in the days of Noah, if so it'll be at the time of the coming of man, Son of Man. Okay? So um, we just want to be careful. Um, so the opposite, I told you a lot of bad examples, okay? But if you want to find good examples, you know, you'll find Jonathan upholding David, even though Jonathan is the heir to the throne. And he could have done a Jonadab on it because he was supposed to be the next king. But um, he um, was self-sacrificial for David's sake and encouraged him and lifted up, like an Aaron and a her, lifted up David's hands when he was struggling. And um, David was a better man and became the man that he became um, in, for all his good qualities because Jonathan helped him a little bit along the way. Okay, and there was another king, um, I won't turn to it because we probably don't have time, but um, he was a king, Joash, I think it was, that I looked up in Second Chronicles 24, if you're curious, and the Bible says he, he, he um, did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of, um, of Jehoiada the priest, because it said that Jehoiada the priest was his teacher, his mentor, his counselor, and um, once Jehoiada passed away, um, Unfortunately, he didn't kind of um, internalize those things and he sought counsel from the wrong people. And so the Rehoboam, blah, 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 blah. We could go on and on. All right. So um, 
So as I said, everyone needs a good friend. We call them good Samaritans, right? He was the one who loved his neighbor, and the others just passed by and said, ah, it's too much, you know, I've got to be somewhere. Someone else will help that person. That's actually a psychological, you know, um, trait. They say if someone is um, in the need on the street, is getting a heart attack, that um, the more people that are around, the less likely they are to get help, because everyone else says, um, I'm not a doctor, you know, someone else will go over and I'm sure someone's going to ring 999 and all that kind of stuff. But they find if you're the only person on the street and, and someone falls over or whatever and they may be getting a heart attack and you look around and there's no one else, then the burden comes on you and you're like, oh, it's very clear. I'll be the one to call, blah, 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 blah. So, um, I don't know, I just read something. <laughs> the guy was saying, if you do want to get a heart attack, you need to be very sure and point at someone, go, you! Call the doctor or whatever, because everyone else then there will be a bit of an overwhelming. So that's a trick for you. I hope you don't get a heart attack. <laughs> All right. So let's go on. I know Jonadab was a subtle man, right? Two-faced. Um, so I'm on to my next point. So we'll keep reading here. I'm sure you're um, wondering what's going to happen next. So Jonadab gives him the plan. So that was Jonadab, or Amnon's friend, and now we're on to... Um, Amnon's foolishness. So I'm in verse 6. I'll read quite a bit here and we'll kind of back off, back, um, back up then in a while and just take some principles out um, before we go home. So Amnon lay down and made himself sick. I'm in verse 6 of 2 Samuel 13. And when the king was come to see him, Amnon said to the king, I pray thee, let Tamar, my sister, come and make me a couple of cakes in my sight that I may eat at her hand. Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go now to thy brother Amnon's house and dress him meat. So Tamar went to her, brother's, to her brother Amnon's house, and he was laid down, and she took flour and kneaded it, and made cakes in his sight, and did bake the cakes, and she took a pan and poured them out before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said, Have out all men from me. And they went out every man from him. And Amnon said unto Tamar, Bring the meat into the chamber, that I may eat of thine hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them into the chamber to Amnon, her brother. And when she had brought them unto him to eat, he took hold of her and said unto her, Come lie with me, my sister. And she answered him, Nay, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing ought to be done in Israel. Do not thou this folly. And I, whither shall I cause my shame to go? And as for thee, thou shalt be as one of the fools in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, speak unto the king, for he will not withhold me from thee. Howbeit he would not hearken unto her voice. But being stronger than she, forced her and lay with her. So, you know, I said about friends, they bring out the best and the worst in us. This is obviously an example of the worst in us, okay? Um, Amnon decided to take his friend's advice, and Jonadab's advice caused Am Amnon to, um, to act on his lust, okay? And, um, you know, they say that about, um, you know, people with an addiction or things like that, you know, once they've made up their mind, once they've gone that far in their thought process or whatever, that there's just there's nothing stopping them. They're going to, you know, find the drugs or um, go and get a drink and that kind of thing. And they're almost immune to good advice at that stage. Okay, so um, um, you know that that phrase gives sin in an inch and it'll take a mile. This is just a case of that. Um, that's why the Bible says, you know, that we're not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. Okay, you know, when you have a game plan and you know you know certain things about yourself that the Bible says. You know, the Bible says, obviously, that um, we're not supposed to trust in our heart, because out of our heart 
become all these, these wicked things. What's that, Jeremiah? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Okay. Um, and then when we know other things, like the Bible says, First Corinthians 10, 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the, with the temptation make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. Okay. So God is speaking the truth, saying, you know, you're not the first person to be tempted in this way or that way, blah, 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 but you're able. You're able. And God promises to make a way of escape if you would just look for that fire exit. Okay? But a lot of time we're like, nah, I don't care. You know? And that's just our heart. Um, that wicked heart that I was just talking about, okay? So, um, you know, if we're, if we're not ignorant to Satan devices, we know how God tells us that we operate and we're able to take preventative measures, all right? Evasive maneuvers, whatever you want to call them, okay? Um, I, I saw this viral video over Christmas and this guy was a Dublin Zoo, this dad, with his son. And um, the lion was feeling particularly hungry that day. So <laughs> the dad figured out that when he sent the son over to the window, you know, they have these big glasses, you know, big glass windows, so they could see the, and the, the son went over and when he turns around like this, the lion saw he wasn't looking and he's like, creeping like this, you know, like a cat, would you ever see a cat kind of? And then the son turns around like this and immediately the lion stops, you know. And then he turns back around again and the lion is like this, you know. And then the lion ends up like running and he smashes into the glass. I don't know if you've seen a video like that at all. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you see, obviously the dad was pretty happy because he knew this is, well, bulletproof glass. I don't know what kind of glass it is to keep the lion away. <laughs> and, and he's not worried because he knows the defenses are up and that kind of thing. And in that way, you know, obviously we hope we can send our children out into the world um, knowing that, you know, the Bible says uh, when a, um, um, what's that one in Proverbs where it says, um, you know, teach a, child, teach a child in the way that he shall go, and when he is old he shall not depart from it, okay? And that's always our hope. It's not a promise, but it's a good principle, okay? Teach them, teach them lots, teach them especially when they're young, and you hope that they'll hold on to those principles even when they're older. Um, they might have to do a prodigal son on it, but um, we obviously hope not. But um, if we're ignorant of Satan's devices or of these kind of subtle ways, then we're like a lamb to the slaughter. And um, we call that naive, don't we? And we say, don't be so naive. You know, when someone says something, don't just, you know, all right, yeah. I read it on the internet. <laughs> all right. There is plenty of good stuff on the internet. I'm not bashing the internet. I'm just saying we need to do the right thing with that information, okay? So I said already, he's literally immune to good advice. Like, Tamar had some really great advice. She's like, why don't you just think about it this way? But he's already received this other advice, and that supersedes it. That's more important. And he's trusted in this, Jonadab's advice. So he's not willing to take any other advice from anybody else, okay? And that's the kind of power that friends have over you, okay? Someone else will tell you some really good thing, and it'll make perfect sense, but you've already made your decision. Or you haven't heard it from that person that you trust. So you're not going to accept it. Does that make sense? Okay? And in the same way, we even talk about Bible truth that way. It, you do have to be careful who you listen or read Bible truth from. Okay? And you do have to go in knowing, like, I read plenty of stuff by, you know, I don't believe in five-point tulip Calvinism, but I love Spurgeon's work. I love all of it. Okay? But I know that when he talks about this kind of stuff, you know, I'm willing to take his logic and stuff like that and reconsider to a point, but I know what I'm getting into at that point. Okay? They call it. Um, hopefully that's a sign of maturity in a sense that you can deal with some of these difficult doctrines and not get your 
um, mind in a twist, you know, because Paul says that, um, you know, um, some have wrestled over these things, or is it Peter? Um, and there's things hard to be understood in the Bible. And um, some people are, our pastor, you know, Bible Institute says they break their spiritual neck. On some of these really difficult verses, there's plenty, um, you know, there's plenty of um, maybe counter arguments and things like that, but sometimes we hear it off a certain person, we like that preacher or this kind of thing, but we just need to be careful who we're kind of letting our guard down with in that sort of sense. And I'm not saying to be kind of doubtful about everything being a doubting Thomas. Um, the, other, the other extreme is then that, you know, we're just critical of absolutely everything, okay? And the world is getting like that where, you know, it used to be everybody just bash people on the internet. Now, you know, that way of thinking is coming off forums and Facebook comments and we're just, we're saying it now just directly and we're not ha happy with anything or whatever. That's not the way to be either, okay? The Bible says contentment is important. Godliness with contentment is great gain. All right, so I'm off the point there. <laughs> All right, so Tamar gives him some good advice, but as I said, he's immune to it, okay? And um, he essentially, where am I going here? He's immune to the truth. What's in Hebrews? I forget that first now. Go on, I'll, um, I'll turn to it just to read it here. Oh, yeah, okay. So this is um, a charge. Uh, a warning from Paul in the Hebrews and whatever, and he's saying, but exhort, okay, I'll go from verse 12. He says, take heed, brethren, so take heed, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Okay, sometimes we do struggle with the things that life throws at us. Okay, God can get the blame sometimes for that, right? But exhort one another a little bit, once a month, how often? Daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Okay, so here's, here's Amnon, and he's hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, and there's just, there's just no, there's no changing him, right? From a manly point of view, uh, an earthly point of view, I should say, okay? Um, with logic or with this kind of stuff, okay? And uh, he's just, he's trusting in a lie, basically, okay? I never read it or whatever, but I remember coming across a book. It's uh, not meaning anything about this, but it's called a book is called Lies Women Lies Women Believe. There's a book. I don't know what it is. Okay, but it is true. There are things that we just believe. Like you know, some people want to believe lies. You know, I was just reading a book called God's Crime Scene, and it's a kind of debunking all of these scientific theories about the origin of the Earth. Uh, well, that's actually only one point of it, but um, it's talking about you know they believe they think that. They're basically doing everything they can, all sorts of logical gymnastics, to prove that, one, there was no beginning of the universe. You know, so they come up with all these ideas that, yeah, yeah, we had a big bang, it's going to come up, but it's going to come back and go back into it, and then we're going to have this eternal big bang thing or whatever. And then he just debunks that whole theory, showing that you know, there's not enough mass in the world to reduce, in the universe to reduce, you know, to cause everything that's expanding to go back the other way and back into a singularity again. And then they don't explain the fact that where does the singularity come in the first place, blah, 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 blah. Okay, but um, um, people want to believe a lie because it suits their lifestyle, their sinful manner, all this kind of stuff. And we, we just have to be careful. And that's why if we're, if we're testing anything, the Bible says, you know, prove all things, you know, from your Bible, Bible principles. The Bible doesn't talk about, you know, the Big Bang. Well, there's a big bang at the end, but um, you could read that for yourself. Um, 
but we can get principles from it and we can withstand lies, not just for science stuff, but for stuff in our own lives, you know. Things that, should we do this or should we do that? The wisdom of the ages is here at our fingertips, all right? But um, God forbid that any of us would be immune to that and just put that aside, okay? And be hardened from the deceitfulness of sin, okay? Um, Yeah, I have um, some stuff's pretty hard in there, so I leave it off or whatever. But um, you know, th this lust here is is just um, like a physical lust, sexual lust, um, but lusts in general are stuff that we need to be we need to be worried about. You know, they say the the love of money is the root of all evil. Okay, so um, not just money isn't evil in itself, but we, we just turn to things to help us, and we need to turn to the right thing. Okay. Have you ever heard of um, someone turning to a drink to give them something called Dutch courage? Have you ever heard of that phrase? Yeah? All right. So Because they can't talk to a girl or whatever when they're sober. But they're, they're leaning on something. And um, uh, they're, they're trusting in this thing to help them with that or whatever. Whereas, you know, the Bible says, you know, some people put their trust in horses and in chariots and psalms. But we will trust in the name of the Lord our God, okay? And that's our job. That's our job to make sure that our foundations are built on something that's wise and not something that's foolish. Because we know what happens to the, that foolish man who built his house on the sand, okay? The sand goes, and the house on the sand went. Our kid, my kids love that bit. Split. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, now, there's a lot I could mention, but I'm just going to continue. All right. Um, the rest of it is just kind of wrapping up. So, Amnon's frustration. Did I save this? All right. Yeah, his frustration. Um, all right. I didn't update my PowerPoint, so I'm on an older PowerPoint. But hey. Um, so my next point here and here is um, uh, his foolishness is, is provoked or whatever. Jonadab brings out the worst in him, okay? But then does it work out for him? I've kind of already mentioned this, so I won't spend too long. But um, did... Did raping Tamar basically satisfy, satisfy his lust? Okay. Now, what, I, what was he hoping for? He was hoping that now he would have peace and contentment, that he got that problem out of the way. Now he can eat properly. Now maybe he can get some sleep. Now he can move on with his life. Now he can, you know, um, prepare to be the second in line for the king or whatever it is that he's doing. Um, problem solved, right? That's what he wanted in the first place. But that's not what's happening, okay? Um, satisfying our lust in whatever form it is never leads to freedom, okay? Um, now, you may feel like the weight of that burden is lifted by giving in because you're finding it so much and you're just like, you know, and you're just like, ah, whatever. You just give into it. And it feels, maybe you feel like the weight is lifted a little bit at that point, but it's not actually. Um, it's, it's almost like um, a painkiller, using a painkiller. You know, like some people use a... Um, get a headache, you take Panadol. Some people take Panadol, some people like Norfin or whatever. Some people do all these uh, other concoctions or whatever. Um, and you hope by the time that the medication does, uh, kicks in that, that the headache is gone, right? But you don't start taking Norfin for something that's way too serious. Like if you had appendicitis or something, you take a Norfin, yeah, you might feel a little bit better. But when the Norfin wears off, uh, you'll find the problem is still the same. And in fact, it's actually worse, okay? And that's what a lot of people are turning to the, uh, this, this concept of painkillers is they're numbing the problems and the things that they have in their lives 
and um, they're trying to just get rid of it just for a little while, they feel better, but then in the end, it comes back, it was never gone anyway, and they're worse, you know. So, um, you know, for the teens or whatever, sometimes people uh, withdraw into some headphones. They just won't listen to the world or whatever, they're just in their headphones. Um, it used to just be music, but now you can connect to anything. Um, and they're just ignoring and shutting out the world, but they find that the world is getting worse for them as they go on. The longer they ignore the problem and don't deal with the root cause, okay? So, um, um, I have another proverb for that, but... Uh, here, I'll see if I can read it out to you here. Oh, yeah. I remember now. Proverbs 20, verse 17 says, Bread of deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth shall be filled with gravel. Okay? So, what was worse for Amnon? Now, the Bible says, oh, yeah, I didn't read it, did I? I'll go on here. Verse 15. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. And Amnon said unto her, Arise, be gone. And she said unto him, There is no cause, this evil in me, in sending me away is greater than the other that thou didst unto me. But he would not hearken unto her. Then he called a servant that ministered unto him, and said, Put now this woman out from me, and bolt the door after her. And she had a garment of diverse colors upon her. For with such robes were the king's daughters that were virgins apparelled. Then his servant brought her out, and bolted the door after her. And if you want to read the rest of the story, you can. Um, but basically, it's, he just, Jonadab's advice made it worse for him, okay? And um, you remember at the start of the sermon, I was saying this is a friend's influence on people, okay? God forbid that you would be responsible for that. You know, everybody has their own choice that they need to make, right? But um, God forbid that we would encourage someone to do or to go down a path that is wrong, okay? So, um, now he's got this really big hatred that was more than the, the supposed love that he had beforehand. And now he's full of shame. He says, bolt the door after. And now he's after ruining more relationships because it's not only Tamar or whatever. Absalom's obviously really, really angry at this stage. <laughs> and he's ruined his relationship with his dad. Okay? And he's actually shortened his life. And the Bible says, you know, when we're... Uh, when we're celebrating the Lord's Supper, it says, you know, for this cause, some are weak, sick and weakly among you, and some sleep. So it's saying that some people, um, you know, who take the Lord's Supper um, flippantly, and they're not, they're like, yeah, you know, I can hold on to it. I know that I'm in rebellion to the Lord, but I don't care, and I'll keep up appearances and take the Lord's Supper, and I don't want that embarrassing thing to happen where they come over and offer you, here, would you like some Lord's Supper bread? And you're like, no, thanks, or whatever. And what would they be thinking, you know? Um, blah, 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 blah. Remember the fear of man bringing a snare? So um, in this case, he just ends up worse. And, um, you know, it just proves a point that, you know, this is something, obviously, again, for teenagers, but um, or for anyone. Um, he didn't really want or love her. He just wanted to be with her. He wanted to satisfy his lust. It wasn't about that, okay? And obviously, the warning to um, young women, and there's a warning to men to think that way, but, um, you know, just because someone says something or whatever doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> okay, you've got to be careful and not to be, as I said before, naive. All right. So Amnon is—he's um, still not in a repentant state, even after it's getting worse. Okay. So remember, he's hardened from the deceitfulness of sin. It would be nice if he repented at that stage, but did he repent? He didn't actually. You know, he might have actually, you know, 
if he had decided and if he was a little wiser, he might have said, I'm sorry, <laughs> you know, and then started picking up the pieces. He really could have, believe it or not, from such, such a horrible place that he decided to go, there are bridges that could have been mended, okay? But he didn't, okay? He kept going down that road, okay? And, um, you know, what we call in, um, in addictions and all that kind of stuff, or whatever they call it, he hadn't yet hit rock bottom. Have you heard of that phrase, rock bottom? Okay, um, he, he still, for some reason, was holding on to pride. He still was holding on to the lies that Jonadab had taught him. And he, he's frustrated that it didn't work out. You know, like, but like, you, know, you see in the movies, sometimes people come back, they're like, what you said didn't happen, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, what will I do now? <laughs> he's like, what a dummy, or whatever. Just go somewhere else for your advice, you know? Um, so um, he still wasn't yet willing to forsake his friend. And I hope you haven't been there before, or I hope you're not right there right now, but I don't know if you remember, I already said that Jesus is a friend of sinners and he's got counsel for you. And that would be the person to turn for counsel now. You've been following your own advice or someone else's advice for so long, it's not working out for you, it's getting worse. Repent means to turn, take a 180 degree, I've taken all your advice, I don't want your advice anymore, you know, go this way. <laughs> all right, and hopefully in that direction is a Bible, right? Um, so, uh, you guys told me, or whatever, uh, from the word subtle or whatever I asked you earlier, that um, that was also in the garden. And you know, our sin, our sin affects a lot of people. Um, Adam's sin, we tend to, you know, some people say when they get to heaven, they're going to go to Adam and give him a, why did you do that? <laughs> but that's a really dumb thing because we would have done the same in that uh, thing. But it's, it's, it's funny to say, all right? But um, like Adam and Eve, you know, death pass upon men for sin, you know, um, when sin entered into the world, Adam, Amnon's sin forever affected not only himself, but Tamar, Absalom, David, and basically the whole kingdom of Israel was changed by that. Absalom generally was supposed to be the next king, but um, two were wiped out then within two years or three. Um, Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house for the rest of her life. Amnon's life was cut short by his sin. He only lived about two more years, and that was because Absalom hatched a plan so he did, you know, all this encouraging to do wrong or whatever, you know, Absalom made his own choice and he died by his own sins. But like, we don't want to be responsible for handing a burden to someone like, here, you know, just because of our sin or our, our wickedness. Absalom had Amnon killed and he fled the kingdom and he came back, but his relationship with his father was forever defiled, like Amnon's, and he rebelled against him and took over the father's throne temporarily and he died in battle while trying to kill his own dad. All right, this is horrible stuff, you know. <laughs> Okay, but um, I say all that to say that, you know, that's what sin does. It brings forth death, destruction, defilement, and ruin, like it says in James 1. But that almost like, that power is in the hands of a friend. Are you a friend right now? You know, I'm not saying that you're going to be able to encourage someone to go that far, but the words that we speak, they have power. The life, life and death is in the power of the tongue, okay? And... Um, that's the kind of power you don't realize that maybe some of your friends have over you. You know, like our parents used to say, oh, if everyone jumped out the window or whatever, would you jump out the window too? And my mom used to say to me, no, of course not. We get a rope or something. <laughs> I'm still going out the window with all my friends, right? Uh, all right. So um, just to, to wrap it up, I guess. All right. Um, you know, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we can't say that, no, no one can say here that we haven't sinned, all right? Um, but, you know, if we're holding on to that, or if we're not working to, 
to, to get that, that sin, you know, asking the Lord to, to cleanse us and to get that sin out of our life, it's already working ruin in us, okay? The Bible says, a soul that's in it, it shall die. And Jesus warns us in John 8, you know, that dying in our sins, it's like a burden that's on our back. And if we die with that burden, literally gravity, like a spiritual gravity, will take us in a downward direction, okay? And spiritually, we know that the hell is in the center of the earth, okay? And we don't want to, to do that, okay? So the Bible says, once you're trusting in the Lord, he, he does an operation on you when you get saved, you know? For by grace, you saved through faith. He calls it operation of God, and he severs that burden away from you, okay? And that way, then you're free to rise again, to rise up, to be with Jesus, you know, in his father's house are many mansions. Um, and if it were not so, he would, not, he wouldn't have told you, he, would, he would have told you that it wasn't the case. All right? So, um, you know, that's why the gospel is good news and it's for everyone, whether you're saved or not. Okay? So, um, you know, by trusting in Jesus' efforts, his plan was to die in, as an innocent man on the cross, but use that death to take our sins away. And if we would just turn away from our own efforts... And, you know, it is our own work, our own effort to look for advice in the wrong place and follow it. It takes, takes time to do that, to get some advice from somewhere else other than the Bible. Okay? And we just need instead to trust in Jesus' goodness and his righteousness. And, um, you know, I say that a lot, you know, um, you know the, the gospel is given out and a lot of time people check out because they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm saved. You know, on with the gospel there. You know. um, but we need to live every day like like we're like when we got saved, okay? Because when you got saved, that was probably um, you know a time when you were totally humble of heart, when you were totally like like Saul, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? But as you go on in your Christian life, we tend to kind of get complacent, and we're we're not in that way, um, and have that attitude in us, and that's what gets us into trouble. And that's why my life verse is, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusted in thee. Isaiah twenty six three. Because I know that when I have my mind stayed on the Lord, or I'm striving to do something, you know, um, that um, I have that, that peace of God. You know, Pastor was talking about peace with God when you're saved, but the peace of God, you kind of have to hold on to that by keeping yourself in the love of God, like it says in First John. Um, so we need, to, we need to stay that way, stay trusting in the Lord, okay? Because Amnon wanted an escape plan, okay? He wanted to get out of the struggles that he was in. But, you know, anything that's not a biblical principle or something from the Lord, all those escape plans will fail. And you'll find yourself, like if you were trying to escape from Alcatraz or something like that, getting caught and putting right back into that prison. All right? um, but if we're trusting in the Lord and his work, the Bible says, um, turn to John 8. I'm, I'll give you two verses. All right? So just while you're turning there, you know, just remember some of these principles, the kind of power your friends have over you and the kind of influence you have on others that are your friends. And the influence grows the deeper the friendship, right? Um, so you guys are turning to John 8. And just don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. We do have friends, we do have associations and stuff like that. But watch out for people who bring out maybe the worst in us, provoke us to this thing or that thing. Um, and then, you know, just be mindful of the consequences. Um, Amnon's future was polluted. Um, the plan didn't work out for him. And he wasn't free. He was just in bondage more. Okay? 
And they say about history, those who don't learn the lessons of history are destined to repeat them. John 8. Um, well, we go to 32 first. These are verses that I love. It says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Okay? Not Jonah Dab's advice, not um, Dr. Spock's advice, or any of these guys that come around in these different um, phases of, uh, you know, a lot of times, even in the Christian world, um, Dennis Linehan, he's come to church for ages. He's like in his 80s. And he's, he was with the church for a while, or started a church in his home. And he said they were kind of flittering about. They followed every, um, he says, every ship that passed by. Because there was all these words that had ship at the end, you know, like we have discipleship or whatever. But when he was coming through the 60s and 70s or whenever he got saved, um, they followed every new fad and every new book that came out. There was a sensation, a Christian sensation. And he said it really hurt them. They just needed to stay with the truth, you know, and not to add to it, not to take away from it. And then in John 8, 36, it says, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. You know? And this is, this is what we're looking for. We're looking for closest to the Lord, freedom from shame. You know, want to be clean on the inside. We want relationships to be right. We want, the Lord to, we want to have the Lord and his power and his mighty arm in the situations and circumstances. You know? And we want to be just close to him. And if, even if he doesn't take us out of the situation, you know, Pastor always talks about we want like a, a helicopter Christianity where when we have a trouble or whatever, I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, you know, and then, oh, you know, I'm praying and I'm, hey, you know, and I'm out of this trouble or whatever. Oh, that was a close one, Lord, you know. But then um, the Lord promises that he'll go through the fire with us and the waters, they won't overflow us. <laughs> and I keep saying this, but um, I read another book, <laughs> um, uh, Tom Crean. Anyone heard of Tom Crean? Oh, my goodness. I don't know how they survived out there, and it was like minus 30. Has anyone been in a minus 30 degrees Celsius weather? Ugh. All right. Um, but he survived, you know, in that sort of sense. And it's an amazing story. And as well, when the Lord takes you out of a minus 30 degree situation, <laughs> what glory can you give him? You know, and just telling other people about that, you know, like your testimony of salvation, just brings joy to other people. And um, it lifts up the Lord. These are the things we want in our lives. Not, you know, yeah, I messed up again. Yeah, yeah, I should have trusted the Lord. Yeah, yeah, he said to me, just like he said to the disciples, um, O ye of little faith, you know, wherefore didst thou doubt? Okay, so um, don't repeat the lessons of history. If you're not saved, obviously, yeah, friends have an instrument, but you need the friend of sinners and publicans, Jesus Christ himself. Um, what kind of friend are you striving to be, Christian? <laughs> All right, I hope you're encouraging people and not discouraging them and just... You know, he needed that rebuke anyway. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> or um, are there some friends that you need to distance yourself from a little bit? Okay, you don't have to give out to them or discourage them either. But you could just, you know, be aware. This thing, uh, I'll stay at home for that or whatever that kind of thing. Okay, and just watch out. Are you using anything as a painkiller to numb the situation that you're in? I'm not going to the Lord with it. And they say keep short accounts. If we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you need help, Jesus can not only help you out, but he can make you free indeed. I'm just going to pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the time we got to spend in your word. Uh, I trust, Lord, that you, um, you spoke to uh, your people, Lord, as, as you saw fit. Um, and I know sometimes even when I'm listening to preaching, sometimes you can bring up something that the preacher's not even talking about, Lord, and and teach me that or correct me with that, Lord, or anything, Lord. So I pray that you've done your work.
and uh, pray, Lord, that you would just bless us and our families. Thank you for the, the joy of Christmas we just got to spend, Lord, and I pray that you would um, help us, Lord, just to get reorganized and um, look into the new year, Lord, and, and all that needs to be accomplished for you and in our own lives and in our own houses, Lord. I pray that you be with every family and each and every soul here and that you would bless them mightily, Lord, and um, just, Lord, that you would go with them as you promised, as you promised, Lord, and you never leave us or forsake us, Lord. So we just love you. Thank you for Jesus. Um, we thank you for salvation. Thank you for your word. And we pray again, Lord, for Pastor Lord, that you be with him um, at this time, Lord, and that you would heal him, Lord. We love you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.